11 people were killed in Sweden in September alone due to gun violence. Uh, the country, according to him, is now the European capital of gun murder. Once a Haitian police officer, he is now the leader of a powerful confederation of gangs called G9, which controls much of Port-au-Prince and its suburbs. Western Cape law enforcement authorities are on high alert following a rise in gang activity and gun violence in recent weeks, especially on the Cape Flats. Human traffickers in parts of Southeast Asia have been trawling social media, promising high salary jobs and easy loans, only to hand over the international applicants to telecom and online fraud rings. But with the leaders of the crew thought to be based in Russia, Klopp has continued to make millions extorting organizations around the world. The attempt took place at the campaign rally of presidential candidate Fernando Villavicencia, who was murdered by higher assassins. Welcome to The Index, a podcast by the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. This series delves into the Global Organized Crime Index and take a look at some of the biggest threats facing countries and regions around the world. My name is Thin Lai Nguyen. And this is the first episode since the launch of the 2023 Global Organized Crime Index. And today, we're going to be looking at the country that tops the list for levels of criminality, Myanmar. Incidentally, my home country. Now, from arms trafficking to the synthetic drugs trade, from mafia-style gangs to state-embedded actors, Myanmar has high levels almost across the board for criminal markets and actors. The question is, where do we start? So today, for this episode, we're going to be discussing the illegal mining of rare earth minerals. Now, these are minerals that are essential for the modern technological world that we live in today. Joining me for this discussion is Claire Hammond, investigative journalist and senior campaigner at Global Witness. Claire is also the author of the report, Myanmar's Poison Mountains the toxic rare earth mining industry at the heart of the global green energy transition. Claire, welcome to The Index. Hi, Thin. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Now, we hear a lot about the green transition and why the world needs to embark on one. And of course, minerals like rare earth are key to making this happen. But what should we be aware of when it comes to extracting these critical components from a place like Myanmar? It's a really important question. The good news is that we understand broadly what we need to do. We need to transition to clean energy sources. Um, We're already seeing a huge rush for new minerals to develop these technologies. The problem that we're facing is the mining sector has a long history of environmental and human rights abuses. And that is certainly the case in Myanmar. And it's been the case in Myanmar for a long time. As you know, it's a really resource rich country. It has jade mines, it has gold mines, it has precious stones and other minerals. And the issues in these industries have ranged from harms to workers. There are often landslides in the jade mines that kill hundreds of workers at a time. Gold mining pollutes rivers. And we're now seeing the same story emerge with rare earth mining. As it stands, there's nothing to make companies do things differently as they seek to extract large quantities of minerals for the green transition. And so we're seeing the same problems repeated. Thanks for that, Claire. And in addition to the environmental and biodiversity problems, you also mentioned the fact that mining has always had a long history of human rights abuses in Myanmar. So can you tell us a bit about some of the concerns beyond the environmental issues? 
Absolutely. It's not just an environmental problem. There are a whole load of other different problems. They can broadly be grouped in two categories, and, and one is human rights abuses, and the other category would be illegality. And just like the environmental impacts, the, um, the human rights impacts can be felt around the mining site and also for the entire population of Myanmar. So at the mining site, the mines are controlled by a militia leader and his militias are part of Myanmar's military chain of command. And the militia controls this region with guns. So the impacted local communities have no ability to speak out. The groups who have spoken out, who we've spoken to, have been threatened with violence. They don't have any rights and the companies are operating basically with impunity. And the secondary problem is that the funding from this industry is going to the local armed actors, but also to Myanmar's military. And the likelihood is that the revenue from these mines is being used to fund human rights abuses all across the country. The second problem, and, and again, it's, it's very much interrelated that I referred to, is illegality. So not a single mining permit for rare earth has been given out, despite the fact that heavy rare earths from Myanmar are now the world's largest source of supply. So all of the revenues are captured by armed actors. I think the latest data suggested that imports of rare earths from Myanmar to China since the military coup in 2021, are worth $2 billion. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And from what you said, though, it sounds like, you know, armed groups and militias, as well as the military regime, they're all very much interlinked and very much involved in the illegal mining of rare earth minerals in Myanmar. Is that accurate to say that? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're very much involved. So I think we could best characterize their involvement as they are brokers. So the armed militia group and Myanmar's military, and, and it's part of the chain of command, it operates semi-independently, but it's part of the same system. They control the investment, the permitting, the security, the taxation, and this is all illegal, informal, effectively. So they're taking a cut of all of these things. They control the front companies because... Overseas investment in Myanmar's mining sector is illegal. So they create front companies for the Chinese investment and they take a cut of the profits. They control checkpoints and fees, access to the mines, and they control trade. So at every point, at every stage in the mining operations, they're making money. The role that the Myanmar military regime plays is less clear, but they're definitely involved through the units that they have on the ground and also through their broader regulatory role. It's not a regulatory role that's legitimate, but they go in, there's an inspection going on at the moment, and they've shut down the mining site, which gives them an opportunity to make money from the industry as well. Once these rare earth minerals are mined, what happens to them? Where do they go? So all of the rare earth that's mined in Myanmar goes across straight across the border to China, and the mines are right along the edge of the Chinese border. And so they're taken straight across when they're mined. Then they make their way, and there's very little transparency about this step of the supply chain, but they make their way through a number of intermediaries to the Chinese state-owned processes. And we know that all of these rare earths are processed by Chinese state-owned companies because China has cleaned up the industry and consolidated control over processing by these large state-owned enterprises. 
And at that point, they're processed. They go to large Chinese magnet manufacturers. And then these magnet manufacturers will supply companies around the world. And that would include the main clients would be electric vehicle manufacturers and wind turbine manufacturers, because at the moment, heavy rare earths are an essential component of these technologies. And we can assume that many of the heavy rare earths that are being used in these products come from Myanmar. That's a really good point. I want to also talk about um, corruption you know, from state officials and institutions in Myanmar. Um, is that part of the problem here? And is it significant? In Myanmar, it's definitely significant, the problem of corruption. And we saw that under the civilian government, uh, Aung San Suu Kyi's civilian government tried to intervene in the rare earth mining industry. They tried to impose a mining ban and also an export ban, and those failed. There have never been licenses. And rare earth mining in Myanmar has never contributed to the state revenue. And yet the industry is booming. Trade isn't even recorded on the Myanmar side of the border. So no benefits are going to the country as a whole at all. On the Chinese side, it's more complex. And there may be corruption at the border and at an individual level. But there's also a degree of formality to this industry. It's a highly strategic mineral for China. And there's no way that this would be happening without some level of buy-in from the highest levels. So, you know, these minerals are being bought and processed exclusively by SOEs. So it's not so much a question of corruption at an individual or corporate level, but it's a nation state enabling an illicit harmful industry in a neighboring country. And I think that's a really big problem. I feel like I know the answer uh, to the next question, but I'm going to ask anyway, has the situation improved or, you know, worsened since the coup in February 2021? Sadly, I think your instincts are correct. It's clear that the situation is getting worse in so much as the industry is extremely harmful and it's growing fast. The coup created an environment of lawlessness. It already existed to a degree in this area before the coup, but it's, it's worsened since. The other factor is that since the military coup, the regime and, and entities connected to Myanmar's military are having their resources squeezed both domestically and internationally. And so they are incentivized to expand mining where they can. And so we're seeing these new conflicts emerge over the mining frontiers, communities trying to defend their land as the mining aggressively expands and armed groups continuing to operate with impunity. The other related problem is that the conflict environment makes monitoring harder and the risks to civil society have obviously increased since the coup. And so the problems are really mounting up. And would you say that these activities are contributing to the ongoing instability or are they actually benefiting from the instability or perhaps both? Sadly, it is both. It's a vicious cycle. The mining activities fund the armed actors who become more powerful. They can expand their activities and this creates more instability. And that's an ideal environment for them to operate in. We've seen the same pattern repeating itself for decades across Myanmar's resource-rich borderlands. And the problem is that Chinese companies and their customers all over the world are profiting from this situation and they're driving it as well. 
The good news, if there's any good news here, is that these companies can do something about it. Sourcing from Myanmar has to stop. There's been a very clear message from uh, communities and from opposition groups. And when the demand stops, then the mining stops. So we've got a situation where the green transition is moving quickly to the top of policy agendas around the world. And we have this incredible opportunity to get things right. What's happening in Myanmar is a devastating example of how if we don't put additional protections in place, then the green transition will cause extensive new harms. And it's really, really important that the transition is not at the expense of environmental and social justice. Thank you very much, Claire Hammond from Global Witness for being with us today. That's all we have time for this episode of The Index. Now, a link to Claire's report, Myanmar's Poison Mountains, can be found in the podcast notes, where you'll also find a link to the Myanmar country profile from the Global Organized Crime Index. Now, you can also explore the Global Organized Crime Index by heading over to ocindex.net. Now, it's a totally free resource and available to everyone. This has been The Index, a podcast from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. I'm Thin Lai Thanks for listening. Thank you.